Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Magical Boys. It's been a minute, and for a couple <laughs> of minute, reasons, like ten a, years, a, yeah, like a million years, like especially in pandemic time, it feels like it's been a fucking eternity. Um, mm-hmm. There has just been so much that has been happening in the world, especially and especially specifically in the U.S. Um, in regards to uh, Black Lives Matter, as with it, it is just so much. So, with uh, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and um, countless other lives that have been taken from us due to the hands of police and the amount of lynchings that have been happening, then that's what they are. They're not suicides; they are lynchings. That are what's what's happening. That shit is wild. And like, anyway, yeah. yeah, sorry. No, 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 <laughs> just, no. You're good. You're good. Like it's it it's crazy. Um. So I know that for me personally, like it's been really tough to like muster the energy to like try to be happy for two hours and talk about things. Which I mean, of course, there are there are moments in all of this to where I'm trying to find little nuggets of joy wherever I can. But it's been it's been difficult. It's been really really difficult. And um, had a loss in the family as well. Thankfully, it, was, it wasn't to COVID, thank God. But it, there's just been a lot going on. So I definitely want to apologize to our community of people that are still listening to us. And that thank you for sticking with us. And with all of this going on, we really appreciate that. Um, just want to say, like, off, off top, like, if you're listening to our show and you're on some all lives matter shit, go ahead and unsubscribe. Like we, that is not what we're about over here. Um, all lives cannot matter until black lives matter. And you have a smart device that you're listening to the show on, whether it's a computer, a tablet, a phone, one of those devices can connect you to the internet to where you can actually do the work and do the research of what this movement is about and what it stands for. It's not hard to find that information. It's right there at your fingertips. So it is not my job, Ruben's job, or any other black person or person of color's job to educate you on this stuff when the information is literally right in front of you. Like, yeah. And I'm, yeah, go ahead. I'll say I'll say real quick too. I mean, first first of all, like I think it should be obviously it's probably clear, but I think this podcast uh, can get behind a cab as a statement. Oh, period. Um, and and like this is a I won't speak for DJ here, but for me it's like yes, I get it. Yes, your uncle is a cop or something, or like somebody knows a cop, and they're a good person. They're trying to change shit from the inside. I think there's been uh, uh, example after example after example that the whole institution is rotten to the core. That the mm-hmm. genesis of the institution is rotten to the core. Yep. Um, that it, you know it came out of slave patrols in America. Mm-hmm. That was the genesis of it. Um, so uh, you know when we say a cab, we say you know defund or abolish the police. I, I think for me a lot of that is like um that is saying we don't need we don't need armed men showing up for literally everything that goes wrong right like i think that there are places and there are specific instances and things where some sort of law enforcement might make some sort of sense Mm -hmm. but not to the tune of you know five billion dollars of a budget for la or whatever it is um not when all that money could be going to smaller things, to uh, more specific things, to help the community, to, you know, when there's a noise complaint or a domestic uh, a violence complaint, having people show up that aren't going to just kill people of color. 
um, regardless of what's happening on site. Um, so I want to say that briefly. And then second of all, DJ's 100% right. Um, it's not the, uh, it is not the uh, job of any person of color to explain to you why we say ACAB, why we say defund or abolish the police, um, why we say Black Lives Matter matter instead of all lives matter um it's not our jobs um if you are a listener if if somehow you are in our a listener uh if you somehow are a listener of our podcast and a fan of what we do and you feel conflicted about that shit or you 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 uh, for some reason it's not clicking in your head yeah. um i will at this moment right now because it's been a minute and i'm not as directly i think uh, affected by what's going on mm-hmm. as as dj is mm-hmm. or or uh, our black brothers and sisters out there um, I will DM me, shoot me a message. I will talk to you about it. If you come at me in good faith, I will talk to you about it. If you're not coming at me in good faith, get the fuck out of here. Like yeah. go the fuck away with that shit. But if you're coming in good faith about that, I have the emotional bandwidth right now to deal with that shit. But I'm telling you that for me, don't do that to any of your friends of color. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that to any of them unless they tell you otherwise. Um, Cause that shit's fucked up. Um, yeah. Because I think that it can be good to have people to talk to that you yeah. respect or you know or you appreciate but you cannot expect it and you cannot rely on that and like dj said there's a million resources out there that you can go and read so by all like google that shit first do some reading educate yourself and if you still have questions shoot me a message and i'll talk to you about it some but yeah. don't fucking bother dj don't don't <laughs> bother anyone else about this shit like i'm i'm providing this service free of charge to you right now because i'm feeling generous about it yeah um, but that's how that is yeah and i mean and let's be clear like brianna taylor's murderers are still are still employed are still if i can say it murderers they're, they're murderers. yeah they are murderers they they are still living their lives as if nothing has ever happened to them. Like, they have not been convicted. They have not been charged. They've not even been arrested at this point. So um, that, in and of itself, is a huge problem. And I also want to make it abundantly clear that all Black lives matter. So to my Black people of color, my Black folks, especially my cis-hetero Black men, if any of them listen to the show at all, which I highly doubt. But if for if the off chance that you do, and if your activism doesn't include black trans folks, mm-hmm. that's n- no, it, it, it's not yeah. activism at that point. Um, black trans women are disproportionately murdered at an alarming rate. It's, it is unacceptable. Um, like Rhea Milton was 25 and Dominique uh, Dominique Fells was 27, and they were just murdered back in June. And we need to protect our our trans brothers and sisters and non-binary pals. Like we have to protect them. Mm-hmm. That's there is no excuse to not. There are queer black people in our communities. So it is not a matter of what people see first. We are both. If your activism is not intersectional, keep it. You need to be for all of us. We can't be free until all of us are. So it <laughs> I I don't know how much clearer I can I can say that um it's you know, it's it's scary. Like I've definitely have not been in the best place mentally on some days. I'm like, some days are better than others. It's been up and down. Like, 
I think about how I'm potentially not even safe in my own home. So that's a reality that I face, that other Black people face all over the world, but especially in our country. So I really, I implore all of you that are, especially our non-Black listeners to, to really just stand up for us. If you enjoy any of our content, like, you gotta be, you gotta be able to go up for me too. Like, you have mm-hmm. to be able to go up for, for Rakeem who's been on our show, for Nigel who has been on our show, like, for all of the, the Black folks that have been on our show, and any Black person that you follow or engage with their content with, you gotta go up for those people. Like, you have to be here for all of us. Um, I know this is a pretty heavy way to, like, jump off our show, but I promise you it's going to be a fun show. But we... I could, I we've could, been I, gone for so long. Yeah, we've been gone for so long. And I also couldn't, in good in good faith, start a show just jumping into fun conversations about video games and anime and shit games. without addressing this because it affects me directly. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, like, it's it's important for us to have these conversations and talk about them. Um, yeah, so donate to your local community bail funds. If you if you can go out and protest, go out and protest safely. Make sure that you're wearing a mask. Make sure that you're not wearing anything that's super identifiable. Make sure that all of your tattoos, things like that are covered, that you're wearing goggles, that you're staying hydrated, that you are turning off your location services and all that stuff on your phones, um, that you're blurring out people's faces if you're going to post videos and pictures online. Um yeah, like just make sure that you're protecting yourself and protecting the people around you. And if you are a non-black person, get in line, get in front of actual black bodies if you're at these protests and stand up for them. That is a prime example of what allyship should look like. It's not just saying hashtag Black Lives Matter on your social media putting a black square on your fucking Instagram, which absolutely ser- absolutely <laughs> serves no fucking purpose. Fuck, fuck out of here with that. Um, yeah, you guys just, we just gotta, guys, gals, non-binary pals, you just have to just, you know, go up for your people in your community and your friends and your loved ones. Like, and I hope that, I mean, for those people that are out there to where it took it affecting somebody that you know or love directly, to get you galvanized to be to be to advocate for black lives welcome welcome to the revolution bitch like i'm sorry it took you this long (laughs) but we're at this point we're glad that you're here but um there's a lot of work to do um Mm -hmm. and i want to make it very clear that it's not enough to just not be racist you have to be anti-racist like you have to condemn that shit in every capacity like we don't want allies we want accomplices we want you to be we want you to infiltrate those spaces that you're in if you're in tech if you're in any industry and you are a non-black person and you hold any position of power or any position at all like you got to hold your peers your coworkers your friends your family accountable when they say fucked up shit and that doesn't just extend to black folks it extends to our queer communities too and our other communities of color as well you got to call that shit out you have to like the movement is going to benefit everybody. That's the end goal is to end police brutality. That helps everyone. And so we got to hold each other accountable. We we have to. And 
I could literally talk about this for hours, but I'd rather not do that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's ACAB all day. Um, fuck mm-hmm. 12. Um, Black Lives Matter. Black Trans Lives Matter. Um, I'll definitely make sure that there's a link to where you can go and find places to where you can donate donate to bail funds and donate to organizations that help black black folks, black trans folks, all that stuff that'll be in the that'll be in the description field of this episode. But mm-hmm. buy yeah. from black owned businesses. Yeah, support black owned businesses. Um, we found an awesome uh, yeah. popcorn place up in Maryland that ordered from Hell that yeah. was amazing. Um, there's a bunch of great uh, black owned um, like online fashion uh stores out there uh that me and aaron got some dope shirts from um like just just make that a part like if black owned uh black owned things uh if black culture if those things aren't part of your like daily intake of things that you take in figure out ways to fix that like expand what you look at expand what you listen to expand the movies you watch expand all of that and just make that part of what you you ingest yeah yeah i mean that and that's not on that honestly so um thank you for letting <laughs> us have this little 15 minute intro to talk about some black shit um but we are going to be joined by our friend of the show um good friend of both Ruben and i we're gonna be joined by nigel prince Zexu on twitter to Ugh. uh talk about all things final fantasy 7 remake so um mm-hmm. don't go anywhere we will be right back Welcome to another installment of Magical Boys, and we know it's been a minute, but I hope that y'all are still listening. (laughs) Um, So to the five of you that are still listening to our show, today we are just going to like dish about Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's been a bit since the game has been out, so I think it's fair game to discuss it, spoilers and all. If you Full haven't spoilers, so if you haven't played it, like, I guess you're gonna have to wait till the next episode because that's all that we're gonna fucking talk about today. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I came away from that game feeling so good. Like, I posted about it on Twitter to where I was like, I am so, I haven't had this fun, much fun with a game in a very long time. And before we get into it too much, uh, I want to make sure that we are introduced to our host today. Of course, as always, the lovely Ruben Medina is with us. Hello. And uh, our good sis, friend of the show, Miss Nigel, all the way in uh, the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Hello. Oh, trees. Our Pacific Northwest queen herself. Thank you. Thank you. Destiny queen herself. Miss <laughs> Nigel's in the building. And, um, yeah, um, <laughs> the the kind of chaotic energy that I have about getting guests on our show is me sliding into their DMs and being like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> DJ, you said so not just your guest. You did this to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I did. I was... 
I was literally in the bathroom uh, doing like Japanese on Duolingo. And I was like, DJ, I texted DJ to be like, I have this idea about a thing. And she was like, great. What are you doing right, right now? now? And I was like, well, I'm in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> second of all, he's like, do you, do you want to record? And I was like, I guess, sure. <laughs> we haven't. We should. We should be more professional. About this. We, we Man, should be adults. Um, it's, but... it's almost like your dear friend is a producer or something. And like his job is to keep people on track. I don't know how that could... You guys can leverage that. What do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about, sis? I don't, I don't understand. Now just trying to slip into this. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you like, mean? Listen. I mean, I'm not against it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against it either. Um, but yeah. Um, but what, like I was saying, like, I, I haven't felt that sense of joy. Mm-hmm. Like, sans cynicism for a video game in a really sans long time. Undertale? Yeah, 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 Sam's Undertale, (laughs) bitch, in a long time. So it was really nice to just be excited about something and it just being good. And it just being Mm -hmm. good the entire Mm -hmm. way through. So um, I've done a lot of talking, so I'll let you kind of kick things off, Ruben. Like, what were your thoughts of uh, the 7 Remake? I mean, that was the thing is, like, it is that. It is that, like, that unbridled joy about just, like, I really love this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm having so much fun with this thing. And also, I think, even more so, a thing that I was, like, so terrified was going to be fucked up. Yep. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you Final Fantasy VII is a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, more than it being just a great game in general, yeah, it's just, like, the nostalgia for, like, being that age, being a young gamer, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, playing your PlayStation and, and it being, like, one of the first things in, like, the 3D era of video games. Like, yeah. you have all mm-hmm. the, like, not being able to, like, fucking save your games because you didn't have money for a memory card. <laughs> like, <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> Like, re- like your friend yeah. being like, "Hey, what do you want for your birthday?" And you being like, "I just want a memory." I want card a fucking PlayStation memory card, bitch. That's how they start this shit every time. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise, I'll never. <laughs> all I can do is play Twisted Metal. Um, <laughs> and and like and no shade, right? So those third party memory cards weren't shit. Mm-hmm. So you could buy like a Mad Cat's uh, memory card, and that shit would be like, oh, corrupted data. Mm-hmm. So either way, oh, you have to start over. So, like, either way, like, you, the only choices you had were the official Sony memory cards. Mm. And those shits were, like, $40. You had to go mm-hmm. first party. They came out with, like, the see-through blue color. That I was oh, like, man. That's I, yes. That's what I want. That has bring, to be bring back candy-colored, iridescent, plastic yeah. fucking game consoles. Bring that Ooh, shit if the, back. If they had shown the PS5 and it was like a see-through, like... Bitch, I would have been like, where's the pre-order button, bitch? Where is the pre-order button? Yes. It could have been the same shape. That thing could have been 10 feet tall. Nobody would be climbing on it. Not one person would be climbing on it. Period. <laughs> so good. Um, but so that's like, that's the era that like Final Fantasy VII makes me think about, right? Mm-hmm. And so like all those feelings. And so for me going into the remake, I was like, this game could be really good, but there's no way like... It's not going to recapture that feeling. That's asking way too much of it. And then what was right. wild is it, it did. Like, yeah. for me specifically, it was, um, I was like, yo, this combat is like, when I played the demo, I was like, this combat's actually really fun and really mm-hmm. cool. But I wasn't totally sold after the demo. I was just like, I think it's pretty good. Um, it was the, the when you meet Aerith, the, like, the night that you go to her house and you sneak out to leave, and she joins you, and you go through, like, the collapsed highway, and you go to um, uh, a wall market. That entire sequence of just, like, 
I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I'll get choked up talking about it. Like there's something about this, like you playing this character and this like really rad person, just like, and it, I guess it probably falls into tropes of like manic pixie dream girl shit. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But like, there's, there's definitely this like feeling of just like, Oh, this person's just like, going to like take me by the hand and like lead me on this adventure. And they're going to be cool. And they're going to like, they're going to like dig at me and be chill. And like, there's just, it's such a magical, like five hours of that game. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack goes fucking off oh my God. for that entire section. Yeah. Every song for that, like couple hours of game is amazing. Um, and that for that moment, that was that was me staying up to like four to five a.m. playing it, yeah. And being like, I haven't done this with a single player video game, and I don't know how long. Yeah. Where I just stayed up all night playing it. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was it for me. yeah. Like, I think I can speak for a lot of us that I feel like after coming off the heels of Kingdom Hearts three and it it really being a disappointment, mm-hmm. like I think a lot of us were jaded we're like really really jaded because we'd waited 13 years for kingdom hearts 3 to come out and it just didn't at least for me it didn't live up to my expectations at all i was really underwhelmed when i came away from kingdom hearts 3 like the last five hours of that game great but like that was still 35 other hours of like i don't want to say agonizing gameplay but just like Ugh, I was just like, when is it? When is it over? Like, I want to be this well. so that I can move on to the next thing. And I, I, there were so many moments to where I was literally like, my jaw was on the like, my jaw was dropped, mm-hmm. like looking mm-hmm. at Seven Remake, just being immersed in this world of of Midgar again, and just like experiencing everything in a completely new way. It was just magical. Like I haven't felt that kind of joy from a game in a really long time. And it felt really good to feel that again. Cause I didn't think that as an adult who like, it's not my job criticizing media, but like as someone that produces, I like produces media in comics, I'm like hypercritical of all the stuff that I take in. So of course I was so critical of the game, but like, I felt like I was actually enjoying it while not like having this like, Hmm, like lens the whole time of like, is it good or is it not? Like it was just great from the top down. But what about you? Like, what were your, what did you feel like when you were experiencing the game, Nigel? Uh, I walked into it very much like you. Like, I, after Kingdom Hearts 3, I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I really want to, like, take this leap. I'm going to be real cool about it. And that's my goal. I was like, I'm going to be real cool about it. Like, you know, when you, you're kind of excited about something, but you don't want to let anybody know about it. Like, <laughs> right, that right. was me the entire time. I was like, ah, it's, you know, it's cool. It's going to come out. I'm going to play it eventually, you know? And then, like, the night it came out, I was like, yeah, just do it. Just do it. And I bit the bullet, bought it right on the spot. And as soon as the install done was done, I loaded it up. And I remember like looking at the screen and being like, this might be something. And then as soon as we got that like panoramic shot of Midgar and the music hit, and I was like, fuck, nostalgia is going to like totally like ruin how I see this game. It's going to mm-hmm. be like, it's all I'm going to see. And then I would go start playing it and I'm like enjoying it. And I'd already played the demo at like PAX West. Yeah. And like, so I knew the combat was already something I wanted to do, but I wanted to see how they were going to retell a story, how they were going to 
introduce the characters, how they would characterize his characters in 2020, especially characters like Barrett, who was very problematic in his original mm-hmm. upcoming, original origination of the game. And he's, he's everything is so great, so good. It was so wonderful. And I loved playing it, um, especially because, like, my partner, Alan, he's never played on this set. So he has, like, the stupid stories I tell about, like all that dumb dolphin jumping in the fucking minigame. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, like just being like, oh, I'm like, I was like, oh, that's one market. This is, let me tell you that, like, all about all the characters here and what, what we do. And he's like, cool, I've never played that before. And then like, I was like, oh, this is a summon you can grab and you usually don't get the summon until later in the game. And I'm like going over all these things and like, we're living like, me being a 10 year old kid because I had to wait because my parents were like, you can't get that. That's a teen rated game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had to wait till I was a little older so I could play it. But I remember going through it and just everything was, was not exactly as I remember it, but yeah. like it was such a great reimagining of Final Fantasy seven. And, and that's what I loved about it. It stayed truthful to itself while being something new and fresh. Yeah, like, I I felt like all of, like, the story beats of that section of, I guess, of that section of what disc one would be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like it hit on all of those moments, and then it just, like, zoomed out on those moments. And we got to kind of really get in there and get to know these different sectors of, uh, of Sector 7 and uh, just the different sectors in general, we got to kind of, like, really see, like, the world and where these people are living and how they're living and what they're doing in it. And I'm the kind of person that usually gets really overwhelmed if a game gives me, like, a shit ton of uh, of side quests. But I like that there were there were a fair amount of side quests in the game, but they I didn't feel like I was overwhelmed or inundated by them mm-hmm. in this. And I felt like all of them kind of colored the experience of and flesh out the world even more like more so than even the original game could because we're we're slowing down some of these moments and spending a lot more time in certain places that are pretty quick moments in the original game so it was just i don't know i just i felt i i felt so immersed and i felt so attached to these people and their lives and what they were fighting for through the entire experience and i was like really connected to them it was, it was just like remarkable. Like I, yeah, I, I want to play that game again <laughs> and play mm-hmm. it through all over again on hard mode and stream it. But um, yeah, I just so much joy and fun and excitement the whole way through for me. It was it was really nice because I know in the states, I guess the localization that we got wasn't great. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, for the original game, um, it it. it changed the characterization of a lot of those characters mm-hmm. um and i was i was so excited to get what i was hoping to be it was a, a better localization which from what i understand it is um also like you know it's a new script too um but like to see like Aerith being um kind of a, a jerk in like the sweetest way like she <laughs> yeah. constantly she she just nags cloud just constantly chaotic just, that chaotic energy the whole i love her a hundred percent. Someone made this really cute fan art that was like Tifa being like, okay, Aerith, I need you to swear. And she's like, fuck. And she's like, no, I need you to swear like <laughs> on something for me. And that is Aerith. That is her chaotic energy. It's beautiful. Yeah. And like, I love Tifa being like very like, um, like she has this like intense mom energy almost. That's like, she just wants mm-hmm. to take care of everyone. And it's just, even if she's like, 
like politically i was so frustrated with her in this game because she's the one that's like is what we're doing right and i'm like yes of course it is yeah but it's cool to have that voice in the game yeah um barrett like there's still some problems for sure but like barrett 100 percent would say a cab like barrett is like yeah <laughs> this game is so like the original game was already so intensely political and i feel like anyone who somehow missed that train like this game made it there's no you can't possibly think it's not mm-hmm. in any way right. and part of that was spending all of that time um in uh, uh whatever the the part of sector seven where like tifa's uh, bar is right mm-hmm. um the game calls it the slums i guess which not my favorite terminology for that mm-hmm. but like um like getting to see like people's day-to-day um jesse is just a bisexual disaster the entire oh my god fucking <laughs> jesse it's a messy bitch thirstiest. that lives for drama. Like the second she was like, "Hey, you know Tifa, right?" I'm like, "Oh, bitch, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're a mess." <laughs> yeah, like contextually, you're in the middle of committing like an act of eco terrorism, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know Tifa, though, right? It's like, sis, aren't we about to set off a fucking bomb? And you're asking me if I know the really hot black haired girl that that punches stuff. That's how important the tea is for her, though. That's how, yeah. that's how much she it's needs so to know. Important. It's so important. <laughs> um, I just, Messy. I just loved like every, like everyone. Um, everyone in the game is hot. Like literally every character oh, yeah. is attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, they made Cloud, who I think there's a lot of a lot of reasons to dislike Cloud in the original game as as too much of a kind of cool silent protagonist. Yeah, they frankly because i don't talk a whole lot but through um like emotion like mm-hmm. through acting through his emotions and his facial uh, uh changes like he comes across so much more as a himbo in this game yeah he's way more likable in the best in ways mm-hmm. yeah because he's he actually like you can tell even when he's saying stuff and being a dick about things like he's sweet he does yeah. care um and so all of that immediately was i was just like man i really genuinely love every one of these characters and i know that some of them are gonna die and i hate that mm-hmm. um because i just mm-hmm. want to spend more time with them um uh speaking of spoiler territory that we'll get into yeah i mean me personally the best part about it was like you get to also talk to characters you really didn't have a lot of time with so like in the original game like biggs jesse wedge i didn't give a fuck about them i didn't mm-hmm. care they're on screen for maybe like 30 seconds at the end of this game i'm like crying my eyes out i'm mm-hmm. like no this is my team don't fuck up my team yo and like all the characters get so much better interactions with one another too like you can really clear like clearly see like bear going so far from like, oh yeah, this is all for eco-terrorism to I have to do this for my daughter and like completing with people and like you see this whole different side of characters you never really got to see. Like I never really understood the Cloud Aerith love story because I was like, what they spent like three hours together at a night. Mm-hmm. Like why would you fall in love? And then this one I'm like, oh no, I get it. I totally can see the chemistry here. Mm-hmm. It's it's an actual time to build up these character relations and the, the characters themselves are just growing so much stronger than they ever could have been in the first game. And I, even if you don't want to get on board with the whole like, oh, it's gonna be episodic. I don't want to do that. Like, just play it, just, or like watch somebody play it and watch these characters interact. It's so good. Like everyone on that team clearly loves Final Fantasy VII, and they put their heart and soul into it, and it it shows. It really, really shows. I mean, the only problem that I have at this point with the game being episodic is that I just want more. Like, I was mm-hmm. just re- I was yeah. ready for the next chapter. I was ready to put in disc two or whatever the fuck it was going to be next. Like I, by the time I, when I was hitting like chapter 18, I was like, no, like it's almost over. Like I don't Mm -hmm. want this to be over and having context from playing the original game. It's like, there is so much more story and character Mm -hmm. and that we, that we have, that we don't get to see yet. And I, 
like I I didn't want it to end, but I feel like as a standalone title that it works. I think it ended at such a great point in the plot. And it's also setting it up for like, I don't know what the fuck the second part is going to even look like. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's setting up something different than from the original game. So I just have no clue on what to expect at that point. But yeah, I just came away just like, I, I'm thirsty for more. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like chomping at the bit to have more. Um, and to your point about like the Cloud Aerith uh, like love story, I like, and you're right. Like I felt like I it, it didn't make as much sense to me in the original game because you don't have that much time with them in, in the mm-hmm. in the same capacity. But in this, like when like after you do the um, the fight with um with reno like in the in the church and then going to the (laughs) church which that oh my god that fight was a pain in the ass for me when i first started doing it but um, don't block oh my god um but like the whole even the whole the whole moment of you escaping the the church and like trying to get around all the shit all all of the all of the houses and the rooftops and all that like, there's so much characterization that's happening there. They're having a conversation, getting to know each other. And Aerith is just being, like, her chaotic self, just, like, trying mm-hmm. to get to know him. Like, egging him, like egging on him. Like, just giving him, like, shit the whole way. And the most iconic line from that moment is when you're climbing up that ladder and Aerith says shit. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> let Aerith say shit. Let her curse. Yeah, let Aerith say fuck. <laughs> Like, it's just, like, I, like, we talk a lot, especially, like, on the show, and then all of us, like, online are talking about, always talk about, like, characterization, and, like, do we get to really know these people that we're supposed to, that we're supposed to empathize with in the various games that we play, and I feel like in even just that set piece that was maybe, like, a 20-minute scene that you got to play through, there was so much you got to learn about that character and, and her dynamic with Cloud in that moment that you don't always get in games with characters that we're supposed to apparently care for. So it, yeah, like I just thought those moments were really, really beautiful. They do a great job of so much of your time with Aerith is spent traveling. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. most of the Aerith, like main interactions with Cloud, which like it's a game where to keep action going and to not have everything be a cutscene. I think a lot of what Final Fantasy VII Remake does well is like a lot of development happens walking to a thing or mm-hmm. um, between combat. Um, but for me, like it really felt very specifically with Aerith. It was almost always like these little excursions you went on with her mm-hmm. and just the two of you, you guys got to spend time together. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, before we talk about um, like, ending things mm-hmm. and, and the, the the places where this game diverges from the original. Um, I just want to talk about real quickly, like honeybee in like how taking something from the original game that was like certainly the, the, the diciest part of the entire game, as far as like representation, what mm-hmm. jokes were we making? What shitty tropes are we playing on and right. stereotypes and all of that? And like, really, I mean, like, for me, there are still some things I'm, that I think could have been a little bit better, but like there were so many moments where I was waiting for like a bad gay joke yeah. or a bad trans joke mm-hmm. or like some gay or trans panic or something because it I'm so used to it from anime yeah. and from from video games period yeah mm-hmm. and 
I don't remember that maybe there was a little bit, but there, I don't remember any of that. Like all I remember is the fucking dance rhythm game and the entire, like all of that being like just how gay that was and how perfect it was and how the overwhelming like message was like beauty is transcendent beyond anything beyond gender, but beyond any of it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just about like feeling yourself and feeling good and and that being your beauty. And I was like, yo, this is dope. This is gay as hell and amazing. And Aerith is enjoying the shit out of it because she she made you do this shit. And like even seeing like Cloud enjoy it too. Mm -hmm. Um, There's that great line when you leave. um, We're like, fuck, what is it? Aerith says something to Cloud about like, like kind of like how good how like good he did or how great it was and he was like yeah i killed it no he goes, he goes yeah i nailed it i know <laughs> like yeah. it's a thing where like he's it's this like reluctant um admission of yeah i was good at it and i killed it and i was amazing let's not talk about it anymore yeah. but like how ama- like it's still this admission of like him enjoying it to a degree it was just outside of his comfort zone and him <laughs> still kind of figuring that out and that's such a like i am 100 percent down for that narrative mm-hmm. in that part of the game to yeah. be like clouds outside of his comfort zone, but he's having a great time and he's still kind of figuring that out versus like, Oh man, look how gay this is. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's such a better take on the whole situation. Yeah. I mean, I think especially coming off the heels of something as shitty of a situation like that, like persona five had, mm-hmm. like yep, yep, yep. I think that all, I think all of us kind of had our guard up, right? Because like we, we know that mm-hmm. there isn't a great track record, of like queer representation, especially coming from like Japanese games that are meant to appeal to like a wide audience that aren't like otome games or like that aren't dating simulators or whatever or visual novels, right? So being able to play through something as like triple A mainline as Final Fantasy and then being like, it is so fucking cool to be queer and Aerith basically said gay rights the whole time, like it. I mean, I think it was it was like a really cool moment. Like I, I, I think I cried. What during during the whole Honey Bee in situation, like because I was like I've never experienced in a game, at least from what I've played, that there was such a celebration of queerness and it not being like the butt of a joke. And I loved that. Like, Eris was giving me chaotic. I'm I'm your gay best friend and mm-hmm. you're doing drag for the first time and bitch I am living you are serving <laughs> like she was so excited for him the whole time mm-hmm. like I like again adding to that characterization of why we're supposed to feel for her and to love her as a person like she's so warm and accepting and chaotic and and goofy and like it like what is there not to love about this character? Like, it's, it's she's because she's Kyle Ray Jepsen, is that's why. You're right. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Like she is. She is. She. That is her character. Mm-hmm. She's. She's goofy. She's loving. She's gonna hijack you. She's gonna. She's gonna mm-hmm. take you. Make the most of the night with it. She's gonna take you away. Mm-hmm. And if you like, try and talk her, she's gonna beat you with a chair. Like that's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Give her a staff. Give Kyle <laughs> Jepsen a staff. Yes. <laughs> Give her Kuraga. Yeah, and also, like, Cloud, permission to kill. <laughs> like, the <laughs> like best girl. line in the game. 
Like, just go for it. Also, like her one of her uh, one of her skills, the one that like she like just shoots a fucking laser, laser beam out of. I live. Oh, and I she, live. Like, floats up in the yeah. air, mm-hmm. oh, twirling the whole bitch, time. And you knew that my gas was living. I was like, bitch. I'm like, yes, you better come on, Sailor Moon energy, bitch. Yes. She looks possessed. Mm-hmm. Like she looks strong as fuck when it happens. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, so um, I think that's a good segue to kind of talk about combat. Like, so yeah, why don't we talk? Like, especially I really want to hear from you, Nigel, since like you are like you mm-hmm. are like in game. Like, you're like you're in it, right? So in it, like he's in it. <laughs> like the combat man. I was I'm like, this is this is what Final Fantasy 15 <laughs> wanted to be, but just it didn't deliver. But I appreciate that we had 15 because I think if we didn't have it, it wouldn't have given us this. So mm-hmm. fifteen walked. Fifteen, walk, 15 walked. walked so the seven remake could run. So exactly. Like I think fifteen was an important step to get to this, and the learnings from that combat system I think only really made uh, seven remake even better because mm-hmm. I felt like there was enough nods to the traditional like turn based systems when you go into tactical mm-hmm. mode. Like you had that right, you had that ability yeah. to kind of like really be tactical and think about what you're doing, and you weren't really punished for doing that. And then you also had this active combat system that's like a mesh between 15 and Kingdom Hearts that mm-hmm. I think lent itself so well to this game, and everyone felt different. I was so worried about, oh, I'm just gonna mash square, mm-hmm. and that's gonna, and, it's, and all the characters are gonna kind of feel the same. Like while each character had the same button inputs, but they were vastly different experiences when you play when you play with each one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always like people will ask me like, "What do you think of Final Fantasy VII Remake?" And I always tell them about the combat. At least like it's what Kingdom Hearts wants to be. It is mm-hmm. this action RPG where your choices and your equipment matter just as much as how well you're playing. And you rarely get that in games. Like either like your equipment ends up being like way strong, you don't have to try anything, or like only your gameplay matters and the equipment does nothing. Um, so it's really hard to find that trade the balance and I think they did a really good job with this one. Um, I, again, like you said, I loved every character. I, I wa- went in there and I was like, oh, I'm probably just like play mostly Cloud and maybe Tifa. And then I picked up Cloud and I was like, Cloud's fun. This, I've done this before. I just want a big sword and smash things in a game. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got my hands on Tifa and I was like, oh, Oh, it's over for you, Hose. I'm gonna yeah. fucking mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, bitch, you. You, you wanna put a fighting game in this? Fighting game? Exactly. You wanna put a in Final yes. Fantasy VII? Bet. <laughs> and then, like, Aerith was at, like, I was really nervous for her character because she's a spellcaster. Like, mm-hmm. everyone everyone I know, no one built her melee when you were a kid. Everyone's like, she has a staff, she has healing limits, she's gonna be our healer, or she's gonna do our, our, our spellcasting. And even her gameplay was really fun, and I found that so refreshing because I was so afraid, like, a spellcaster would be boring, but they're like, what if you could cast two spells in once? Mm-hmm. Or what if you, like, when you stand in this area, like, all your spells hit, like, chain of things, you're like, ooh, this is actually fun. Yeah. And then, like, the, the character I've heard the people don't like the most is, like, Barrett, which is understandable, but even then, like, I found out at, like, halfway through the game, I'm like, Barrett's just a fucking... He's a healer, and everyone's like, "What?" I'm like, yeah. "Hey, he's just a healer. You just tank up and you just have him spam prey all day." And he's... It's... Every character is so different, and you, if you're bored with one, you can go to the next one and, and mm-hmm. just jump there. And every character won't work for, work for every fight, which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. but, like, if you really want to make that character work, you'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I forget the guy. There's somebody on Twitter. He's, he's this guy who just does combo videos for video games, and his Tifa videos are, like,
like oh, oh, me oh my god those TV videos were amazing oh uh, just send me every time I watch them I'm like I'm garbage at Tom Benson 7 remake and I'll never be good and I'm like I just want to keep watching them because it's so interesting in so many ways you can combo things that you don't even think of but it's so mm-hmm. good and then like the boss battles mm-hmm. oh my god each one of them is iconic and each one of them is like you have to figure out the strategy to beat them in like a few seconds time and then suddenly like still plays your own style but while respecting them and you can't just smash like I learned to get the Reno fight oh, you can't, like, you can't just smash game. button yeah you can't yeah. and I was like okay you clearly need to take advantage of the combat system and when you do you're so well rewarded for it mm-hmm. I can't I can't speak about it, how much I love this combat system the only thing I the only thing I will get annoyed about is that I felt like you didn't get enough materia I, I wanted more yeah. like all materia I wanted more of the support materials and you didn't really get your hands on too many of them yeah. which is understandable they're like we want to make these rare and useful and I'm like good but I want more right. <laughs> like that was my only qualm I'm like I want more just I'll pay you money just give me more of them yeah um, I think for me like yeah the combat took a minute for me to, for me to click with because like, when I played the demo I was like oh this is cool but it's not quite clicking with me yet so um, Brandon mm-hmm. my husband who is like he is like big brain when it comes to like mechanics in mm-hmm. RPGs because like that's that's his wheelhouse. So having him, he was like, "Oh, you should do X, Y, and Z," and then really pay attention to switching characters for certain situations because that's when the combat system starts to make more sense. And once I started doing that, it clicked instantly. Right? Um, mm-hmm. I think about the the Hell House fight um, in the Coliseum, <laughs> which bitch, if you like, you had to switch. You had to mm-hmm. be on your P's and Q's and have everybody loaded out with, like, at least one of the elements that were needed to be, like, the anti-element against the Hell House. Mm-hmm. That was one of the hardest fights in the game, I think. It, for yeah. me, it was the hardest. Yeah. But um, that, was the, that was the only fight, I think, that I, like, had to put down and come back to later. Yeah. That I was like, cool. Like, that's, that was the only fight where, like, I felt, like, that Dark Souls vibe where I'm like, cool, this boss is giving me too many problems. Mm-hmm. If I just keep mm-hmm. banging my head against it, it's not going to work. Right. Let me put it down and come back later, and it'll be fine. Yeah. But that whew, that fight... Yeah, the Hell House fight was was tough. It was really fun, but again, like a testament to the combat system, and you have to really pay attention, and you can't just mash your way through, which in Kingdom Hearts, you can mash your way through that entire mm-hmm. game and mm-hmm. win, and that's fine for some people, but like I like I appreciated the the level of challenge that it had and the fact that it forced you to learn how to play as the other party members because everyone is super important. Everyone plays their part. Everyone has a specific role that benefits you in battle. And I think it's really important to really just understand every character loadout and what works best for them. Like if you weren't playing Seven Remake with Deadly Dodge equipped on mm-hmm. Tifa, you're playing Tifa wrong. <laughs> like that was me. I never used it. Oh my god, it it you're a monster. I never used Deadly Dodge. Deadly Dodge made a huge difference. And that's kind of what those com- those those combo videos that you saw of her. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Deadly Dodge. Like that's what mm-hmm. keeps you from that's what, what makes you able to do all of that stuff. And it's it's wild to be having this discussion about a Final Fantasy game mm-hmm. that I made. Like because we're talking about like there's like small changes like right 10 maybe you like took a different path on the sphere grid mm-hmm. and you're a little bit different or you built your character differently but like this is so markedly different yeah. like like you guys said mm-hmm. it's 
every character was fun yeah. to play or used in different ways. So for me, it was like I played Cloud most of the early game. I swapped to Aerith a lot for mid game mm-hmm. um, because I was like Aerith has uh, you set down control buffs, so everyone who's in this is double casting. So yep. it's like it was me like trying to like corral kittens, trying to like <laughs> keep characters every time I swap away, <laughs> they run out, trying to like keep them in that so they could cast and I'd get double cast for free. Um, and then I realized that was like, oh, Tifa is a stagger machine. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. staggering is so important in this oh, game. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm just going to play as Tifa and go in hardcore and stagger the shit out of things. Mm-hmm. Then I'll bring in Cloud for big guns. Like then I'll bring like things in. I'll bring in Barrett. Um, the fact that like Tifa looks and plays like a fighting game is wild. Mm-hmm. The fact that those soon he legend uh, gifts that he'll post stuff and it's just like, this looks like a fighting game. This is shit that I wasn't <laughs> able to do because his timing and his execution mm-hmm. are things that I wasn't doing is wild to say about a Final Fantasy game. Um, that's the uh, And the fact that like it felt different throughout the entire game. Yeah. You hit Hell House and that was an intensely hard skills check that was like, cool, mm-hmm. we're going to ramp up really hard here because you need to be this good to move on to this game. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to let you <laughs> move on until you do right. it. Um or in, in the labs where they split your party up. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to actually like equip materia on everybody mm-hmm. and really figure out who I want to do what. Um, and then for me, my favorite fight in the entire game is the Rufus fight. Because oh, yeah. that fight is 100%. That's a, like, that's a hard skill check. Talk, <laughs> you want to talk about like a Dark Souls ass, like uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance ass. Like <laughs> you, you can't go in. Like it is, it is watching for patterns. It is countering. Like, pretty much all of your damage in that fight comes from counters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not doing you're anything. You're not doing any damage the to fact him that, at all. And the fact that the game tells you was, like, you have to slow down. If you want to win this fight, you have to actually really slow down. And we haven't asked you of that to this degree yet. Yeah. But we're going to ask that of you right now. Because if you don't do that, you will not win yeah, this fight. Yeah, you're not going to progress. That fight was so good. Mm-hmm. That game is That game, I think, is actually... As much as I love playing with the whole party, I actually think that game shines more when you play one-on-one fights like mm-hmm. that. Mm, yeah, no, I, I think yep. so too. Like that, there's like a level of tension that you get from those one-on-one moments that I think really kind of amp up those those story beats because these are really big moments to where mm-hmm. you are facing off against a foe that is, you know, a big part of the plot. And those moments combined with how like tight that combat system is and how you really have to pay attention to what you're doing to be successful i think not only drives home the uh the stakes of the narrative of the game but like it just amps up the energy and i think it just like as a player it's like really it's really fucking exciting it's really really exciting and this game could have gotten away with with not being they could have just made it turn-based and people would have loved it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. This game could have just been... It could have not been mechanically interesting. It could have been... I would have been upset, but like it could have felt how 15, or how, uh, 15 felt. Mm-hmm. Um, which for me, like 15 was a great idea, but combat felt really numb. There was no impact. It was really mushy. Um, it was really mushy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingdom Hearts has always been kind of that way as well. Uh, but Kingdom Hearts is like uh, chaotic enough to be fun. Mm-hmm. Like With this, it was like the attention that went into um, animations mm-hmm. for character attacks. Animations... Uh, uh, even like even how they time like uh, sound cues and particle effects, how your animations stagger on impacts so that you mm-hmm. feel it mm-hmm. as you're playing, like that all goes into. Um, I was talking about this on Twitter the other, the other day. Like uh, mechanics 
don't have to be like the number one thing, mm-hmm. but when they're done so well, it heightens everything else it so does. much. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking about Destiny, uh, not to like be like Nigel, but like, <laughs> um, but those, those guns like, and that game feel really good. Mm-hmm. I went I went back to play it after I haven't played it for months and after I've been playing like Valorant and stuff which Valorant is a game that is 100% about mechanics because it is a online um, it is a, a PvP Counter-Strike style shooter yeah. and it's great for that type of game but like Destiny's gun feel is so good yeah. it is better than anything else and that to me like elevates the other good shit that game does because you know if nothing else you can pop into that game and it's just gonna be fun to shoot guns mm-hmm. yeah. and i know for final fantasy 7r like i i know the story i don't necessarily need to go back and replay it but if i know that if i want to i'm gonna have a really fun time playing it and i can play that game completely differently this yeah time. Mm-hmm. i can do a whole new loadout and that's amazing because the combat and the mechanics are that tight yeah yeah, yeah i i was just like this is like a playground for mm-hmm. for me, especially like as as like the fighting game girl. I'm like this this is for me. <laughs> like they made this for me. Like this is I'm like I'm like I just want to go into like I was like man if they had like a training room like just like a like a like a like where I just could fight dummies all day mm-hmm. and like, come up with combos like I absolutely would do that and like min max like what what does the most damage output for you know for whatever situation that I need. Um, I mean, and the um, and the combat simulators were good for that, and mm-hmm. the and I spent a lot of time um, maxing out my materia at the Colosseum, like just running running through the um, the two char- the one character or two character um, things over and over and over again, so mm-hmm. that they could be all maxed out. So when I did go to the end part of the game, like I had Elemental all the way up, I had Magnify up, and all that stuff to where I was like dealing out a shit ton of damage all the way through like it like it it was just a playground of fun and just like good good feeling mechanics that had a lot of oomph to them that i think are like the markers of a good fighting game is when you have those attacks that actually you feel the impact of them like i think the game that does the best job of that is tekken like when Mm -hmm. you hit somebody hard in tekken you feel it that shit fucking hurts. <laughs> like, like it, it's, it's again, it's, it's good sound design. It's great animations. It's good. Just like, like pacing and, and like, and dynamics and like f- feedback on the controller and, and all that stuff. I think all of that stuff um, is super, super important to making a kind of like three, almost four dimensional kind of an experience, like where you kind of, you feel the feedback from, from the attacks and then you see like you see the numbers go up because i i still love seeing all the fucking numbers fly up on the mm-hmm. screen like i'm not gonna lie like that shit makes me feel good when i see those big ass fucking numbers i'm like that i'm doing something that makes me feel good <laughs> but I, uh, yeah like like i just i it, love it I, just, I love it <laughs> there's this wonder this is one fight i remember having and I remember debuffing the boss, getting a big stagger off him, and I was like, oh, Tifa's got Somersault. I smashed that button. Mm-hmm. And I saw the 999 go across. I transcended. I <laughs> fucking transcended. I was like, this is amazing. So she's doing the flip kick. She is so gorgeous. Everything about this exact moment is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to remember is those, those very cool moments in the combat where it's like, yeah, it was dope as shit. Like, summoning Ifrit for the first time was dope as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, having to go up against, like, 
fucking, I'm not going to spoil the final boss, but, like, that was dope as shit. Mm -hmm. Like, having to, to do so many cool combos and things and unique things with each other, and, like, it wasn't just one character dominates, you need to use everybody, and it's it just wet, like, the soup of goodness. It's just, yeah. every time you take a sip, there's, like, something new, and there's always something, like, delicious that you, you get mm -hmm. from it, and I, that combat, ugh. Yeah. Uh, DJ, when you uh, when you stream playing through it again, obviously you need to do it with a fighting stick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, if, if the if the fight stick works, then like I'll try it for sure. I, don't, I don't see why it would. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna feel. It's weird. gonna feel hell so weird. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll see. Like I'm really curious. That'll be your gimmick. That could be your stream. Gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm gonna have to see if that works because that would be super fun. Um. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I. It took everything out of me not to like jump immediately into New Game Plus after I finished the game. Well, because I need to go back because I missed Tifa's um, final weapon in Chapter 16. So I got to go back and get that. That's the only one that I missed. So I want to go back and get that and then start from Chapter 1 and go all the way through the game again on hard mode. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the goal is to do that. Um, but yeah, I... I haven't had that much fun since playing through Persona 5 the first time. I was like, ooh, I want to play this again. Like, I want to play, I want to mm -hmm. have this experience all over again. And I'm so glad that I didn't do that until Royal came out because I'm playing through that now and I'm like, the, the flavor is immaculate. But, um, yeah, like, I, what a good game. It's a really good game. What a really fucking good game. Um, it's definitely my favorite game this year mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by a, a good margin. Yeah. So I guess we can talk talk about like more story stuff and like like mm -hmm. the like the the things that kind of where where it diverges from the original plot. And um, I'll let you kind of lead the conversation on that, Ruben. Spoiler part. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're gonna jump in. We're gonna jump into it. So like first, like first off, like. Uh, I mean, almost immediately off the cuff, like Sephiroth is like stalking your shit, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sephiroth just shows up, and I love that because I think that like he is such a he is like in the original game, right? You don't see Sephiroth until right before leaving Midgar, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like you see him maybe briefly, like an apparition of him, yeah. Um, at Shinra Tower, if that. Like he's he's the big bad, but you just don't know anything with him. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was really smart for them to be like. Yeah, no, here's Sephiroth right away. Yeah. <laughs> like, Cloud has some PTSD shit like that he's not dealing with, and stuff's bad. Um, I love that sort of like play of him constantly being tempting uh, to to Cloud, or like tr like telling Cloud to like embrace his anger and stuff. It was a really big departure. Um, and like for the rest of the game, like there's a lot of things that are normal, but then a okay, there's like what the whispers, yeah. or whatever they're called, yeah. right? So let's. I'm gonna take a step back. Let's just talk about the fact that basically this game, all Final Fantasy games almost always end up in like, okay, you were supposed to go get milk and now you're killing God. That's like how the game goes <laughs> yeah. in JRPGs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that is, it starts with like the dumbest, like, hey, give your childhood friend, you have to go meet her to take her to the festival. And then it's like, now you're killing God. Um, so <laughs> Pretty this much. game, like, I love that, like, disc one off the rip, this game's like, cool, eco terrorism. Also, you're going to kill fate. Like yeah. that's, mm -hmm. which is like from my reading of it, that is the the end of this game, is like whispers being an agent of fate, trying to keep things on track with what Final Fantasy VII did. Um, when characters were supposed to die, like the whispers were trying to make sure that they did die, and when they didn't die, they tried to make sure that happens later. That's why, like, um, uh, is it Wedge? Yeah, like 
Wedge was alive way longer than Wedge was supposed to be alive. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like they murked Wedge at the very end. Or like, we, we don't know. They they threw him off Shinra Tower as far as we know. Mm-hmm. But like, Biggs being alive still is like a huge fucking departure. Biggs dies when Wedge dies in the original game, if I remember correctly. Um, Jesse, I'm so sad. I'm like, oh, when I saw Biggs was alive, I was like, oh, show me Jesse. Yeah. Show me. And they didn't mm-hmm. show Jesse <laughs> at all. Yeah. And I was so upset. Um, but now the idea of like, what what is part two even going to be? Like, is it going to be, are we going to go to like the, 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 the hotel or the inn outside of town where cloud tells everyone what happened in Nibelheim and we play that flashback. Um, are we going to go to golden saucer? Are we going to do any of the stuff that we know that comes next usually, mm-hmm. or are we just off the rails now entirely yeah. because killing fate, it, it showed a flashback where Zach lives in that fight where he normally dies. Yeah. Like we have created a a world where I don't know if it's the world that you're currently in in the game or if it's a different dimension, but Zach is like alive somewhere, yeah. which is mm-hmm. also if it's the same place you're in, that's going to be real weird when he catches up to you in Aerith. Yeah. It's like, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Um, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> you're like my best friend and you're like, fucking my no. <laughs> yeah. like it, it could get messy. So I'm that's where it. I'm at where I'm just like, I'm so I'm terrified because I think, Nam- I think Nomura has great ideas and isn't great at executing them. Mm-hmm. Kingdom hearts, like the entirety of King- like he loves to make things hyper, hyper complicated in ways that could be really cool and then has no idea what to do with right. it. Um, and I'm just hoping that isn't what happens to Final Fantasy VII. I think it's like just the right amount of weird and complicated right now. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. if it gets too, too more, uh, if it gets any more uh, ridiculous, it might just completely collapse. Yeah. And I just don't want that to happen to yeah. it because I love mm-hmm. all the changes here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, yeah, because like, I think some people were talking about like, oh, like, I don't think that Aerith is gonna die this time. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think that she I think that that story beat still needs to happen. I think that because like they already kind of allude to it, like in the mm-hmm. game. Like he, he, he sees it. He sees happen. it happen. Cloud sees it happen. But that's before you killed Fate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is my thing. So I'm like, kill Cloud. Like that's if I had my druthers, I'm like, kill not that I don't like Cloud, but I'm just like, if they did that, if they swap things up where it's like we kill Cloud instead, and then Zack comes back in the picture, and you Zack joins the crew, or or he doesn't come back in the picture, and like you're just playing as Aerith now, kind of on the same mission that Cloud was on previously, because mm-hmm. um, she truly, in Seven, she's truly the antithesis for Sephiroth. Like mm-hmm. she's the only person that can stop Meteor. Yeah. Um. So playing as her would be wild as like the main character. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna date myself with this this little story. Um. Back in the day, before the internet was really popular, um, I'm not sure if you or Ruben knew this, uh, but there was like a rumor that went around in like different gaming yes. communities about like the Super Phoenix Down, where you could go to Aerith's grave, use the Super Phoenix Down, and she'd come back to life. And that I game hunt- could. Yeah, I hunted for that shit forever. And so at the end of this, when you kill Fate, and I'm like, wait, I just killed Fate. That means Aerith might not die. And I was, mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like holy fuck, she might not die. This might actually be, like, my childhood dream of her not dying and, like, getting her back and keeping to play the game and see how the rest of the events play out with your full party and no one having to mourn her death. So, I, I again, I agree. I think it's an important beat that she dies, mm-hmm. but I hope it's towards, like, the end of the game mm-hmm. and not, like, I, like, like hour, what, 10 when you're playing and you're just, like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. before you're like, I, I, I spent all this time, like, I'm, grinding, and then mm-hmm. now homegirl's dead. I never see her limit, her final limit break. I, I'm not going to see So I'm not going to see what her final limit break is, because y'all killed her at hour 10? That's I would, what we're doing? I would love if, like, 
I think they either either Aerith like because I mean she knew it was going to happen mm-hmm. like she's an ancient yeah. like she knew she was sacrificing herself when she was doing the initial prayer where she gets killed. I think having a more active version of that sacrifice that happens at like North Crater mm-hmm. would be dope. That gives her a little bit more, or at least doesn't give her. She already had the agency, but just feels like a more active role in her agency yeah. to be like, mm-hmm. "All right, I'm out of here. Bye. Um, I'm gonna go save the world." Would be dope. Um, I think it would be dope to kill Cloud instead, like because Cloud Cloud has seen it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he has knowledge about this thing, which to me is like, if he sees like the the puzzle pieces come, if he get, does like the the gif with all the math in front of his mm-hmm. face, he's like, yo, this is the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the place where like Sephiroth stabbed her. Like I would love if last last moment he gets in the way um, and saves her because that would still give like that beat yeah. while making it different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that they were about to do that with Barrett getting stabbed. At the end of this mm-hmm. one, because mm-hmm. it's like, yo, okay, like, please don't kill the one black guy. But yeah. at the same time, <laughs> please don't like, kill as, the an emotional, as an emotional beat, I was like, okay, killing Barry at the end of this would be fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad they didn't, because again, like, don't kill the one black guy, please. Yeah. Um, but it was like, it gave me that same moment of just like, oh shit, oh wait, no, Barry, mm-hmm. especially like his stuff with his daughter is so so like uh constantly focused on in this mm-hmm. game and he has the sweetest mm-hmm. eyes he has the sweetest oh my eyes God. yeah yes. whatever they did i don't know what they did but he the has technology a, i don't know so, yeah whatever they did to make him like look so kind in the eyes it was just like it was, it was really good oh, he That's... took off the sunglasses and i was just like oh. oh and then they got those big those big titties i just wanted like another like my those big those big bar titties it's like right there <laughs> And they're, and they're big hairy big, titties, which big, I appreciate I so much. I was just like, that's one of that's one to be like right there, lovingly placed every follicle. Mm-hmm. The amount the of thirst about Barrett is is far too high on the internet, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I love we love it. to see it. We truly love mm-hmm. to see it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I love that we got the essence of what the original game was, but also we're doing something a little bit different with the story, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad for that. Um, because like, well, well, in most instances, I don't necessarily have a problem with a one-to-one remake, but I do think that with time and distance from something, you can come back to it with fresh eyes and see areas to where we could have either expanded on this or have spent more time in certain moments to really kind of push the narrative for even further than what we anticipated the first time around. So I'm grateful to this game for wanting to kind of mix it up a little bit. And I feel like we're getting a a more realized version of Final Fantasy VII from it. So I'm excited for the people that have never played the original Final Fantasy VII to experience it this way. And it being magical and being so, so wonderful. It's been an incredible opportunity to see that. Um, I will say that if there was a, if there had to be like a weak point in the game, at least for me... Like, the weakest moment for me were the motorcycle fights. That was kind of the, mm-hmm. the weak part of the game for me. Um, they weren't bad, but I was like, this is way longer than I needed it to be. Um, yes. The one the one at the uh, towards the end of the game, I felt like that one was like, I'm like, yeesh, this one is not, not it. It's not the most mm-hmm. fun battle that I've been a part of in this game. But, you know, it was probably like the weakest, probably my, my low point of the game was that, that final motorcycle battle. I don't think I, I don't even know if I, it was probably a low point for me as well, because I don't remember 
the second one. I remember the first one because I was like, this is gay as fuck. Yeah, it's right there. at like, <laughs> that, that new soldier comes in. Yeah. And I was like, this is gay as hell. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, this, this horny soldier dude. I'm like, OK. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one was like right between chapter 17 and 18. It was right after Jesse's side story stuff, which was mm-hmm. great. I love the Jesse extra Jesse content. Give me all the Jesse content. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was probably, I think, a lower ish point for me as well as far as just like. Yeah, it was like, it, well, it's I don't love any on rails part of a yeah. game. Mm-hmm. And that part feels really on rails. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're going to do like on rails, it has to be something as good as like near automata with doing like an on rail like shooting kind of a situation mm-hmm. and it was and it wasn't that unfortunately but you know but yeah i mean all in all like i i just came away from it like just really enjoying myself and just like an experience that i want to experience again that i'm ready to experience more of um i think we i think it came out today that like they're at they are an active development of part two but Mm-hmm. It has definitely been hampered a bit by COVID. So um, whatever the time frame was for that game is probably not going to be the same because of COVID, which, again, I'll wait till I fucking die for the next part of that game. So, like, if it's on PlayStation 10, like, so be it. But, yeah, I... Just a, a, like a fantastic experience, like, all the way through. Um I'm trying to think of like other moments or like things about that experience just overall that I just kind of enjoyed. Um, I kind of, I really did like how they handled the, the summons for this. Mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. the little V like, Oh, you're going to go into this VR simulation thing and fight and fight these versions of the, I, I keep wanting to say aeons because of Final Fantasy 10, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but yeah, fighting all the summons. Fireflies or pyreflies. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I really liked how they handled that. I thought it was really fun and really unique. Uh, I do. I was worried initially that Materia wasn't going to play as much of a role in the game because it is like an active RPG style mm-hmm. game. But the Materia system is just not, if not more so, important in this than it was in the original game. So yeah, so smart mm-hmm. to make it give you like to be so many abilities are dependent mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. So it is really truly like outfitting your build yeah. and not just your magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is very very smart. Yeah. Yeah, like just through and through, man. I I just I just loved what I experienced. It was really, really great. Um, I'm I am optimistic about part two. I want to be able to play as Red thirteen. I want to be yes. able to play as Yuffie, and I'm curious as to what her playstyle is going to be like. I'm curious as to what Vincent's yeah. going to be like. Um, Kate Sith. Uh, or catch Chi or however you say the, his fucking name. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really curious about what that's <laughs> going to look like. When you swap to uh, when you swap to Vincent, it's just going to boot up an emulator of Dirge of Service. <laughs> on- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's just fucking game. Uh, no. It's just, they're just going to make you play Dirge of Service. I mean, if, I mean, if playing Vincent turns into Devil May Cry, like I'm down. Okay, Dirge of Cerberus was not. Oh, I mean, it, it definitely was wasn't, but like, if you're gonna make it cool and not bad, like Dirge of Cerberus was, then like. They should make him play like Dante, yeah. though. That would be mm-hmm. the most sensible way of doing it. Also, open up open up that game, open up part two, playing as Sephiroth. That would be. That would be Rock and Wild. Playing as Sephiroth. Let me play as Sephiroth through that whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. Ooh, like, you know, okay, if. So not this year, obviously, but like 2021 E3 Tokyo Game Show. Sony's doing their like new games coming up. You know, if they cold open 
on Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, and they cold open on like Nibelheim, and the camera swoops around Nibelheim, everything that's going on. There's some lines of dialogue, and that camera swoops down, and it looks like it's going to the cloud, but it goes behind Sephiroth bitch. instead, and you're controlling Sephiroth. You know, everyone, oh my god, I would pop the fuck off, bitch. bitch. I, I, like, will I, you know, I'd pop. Screaming. I'm that motherfucker who went to go see like the like E3 in theaters thing like three years in mm-hmm. a row, where you could go to the movie theater to watch the E3 yes. event stuff that Sony yes. did. Like we all popped when the Final Fantasy VII stuff was announced. Mm-hmm. We all popped like that. It would it would be the best. It'd be it'd so be everything. It. Just do it. It would be everything. Pay me. Yeah. <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> yeah. It would be incredible for that to to happen. I would be so down for that. Like I'm I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously hopeful for the future of mm-hmm. however many installments the Final Fantasy VII remake is going to be. Um, Whew. I. Yeah. I want to inject more of it into my veins because it was so much fun. Um, but yeah, like any like closing thoughts or remarks about like what your hope is for, I mean, you, I guess you kind of said what yours is if we open on Sephiroth, but mm-hmm. like any, like what, like any thoughts of what we want to see in part two? I definitely want to see more this is this is me because my nerd down like background stories mm-hmm. i just want to see more about the worth of Wutai. i want to see you know, what that was like i feel like yep. they, they they did a really good job of talking about it and the fact that we're going to go there eventually in probably seven i want to see what that was like i want to see those battles i want to see what this war was because like yeah. when midgar's like oh yeah we had this battle with Wutai, and i'm like Wutai, that little town like Mm-hmm. whole city versus one little town like i want to know what the fuck happened yeah. like i want to know that story mm-hmm. and that's for me that's like my deep wishes i want to get more political and that's boring but that, that's one I thing i want boring. from it and then yeah. <laughs> the other thing i really do want from it is i want all the characters we haven't seen yet played just as well the characters we have seen mm-hmm. and i'm gonna tell you i'm at least from my perspective as a game developer like the longest thing it's going to take is developing the new characters and making sure they work well yeah i don't think mm-hmm. They already have the ability to create the world they want to do. They know the art style they want to go for. They know the story. They probably know most of the story. Unless Nomura pulls a Nomura. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, they, they know where they're going. And yeah. they have all these things. So the longest thing is going to take them to develop are these new characters. And making sure that there's new combat. And making sure that's interesting. Other than that, everything else is set. So it shouldn't take them, hopefully, another ten years to the next part. Yeah. Hopefully get it in the next, like, maybe two or three. And I, I hope I that's would assume, what it is. I would assume 2022. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Like, I think, especially with COVID, I think maybe before that, because it just it came out this year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so I would I would say like spring to fall twenty twenty two like gives. I'm sure if they're already developing it, I guarantee you they're already developing it on PS five kits. Then if mm-hmm. that's the case, and they probably were for a minute. So I would I would say spring or fall twenty twenty two would be my guess. Because like you said, like they have they have it's, a lot of it's going to be creating new assets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and some new mechanics for new characters, but that's everything else is the hard stuff done. The hard, the really hard stuff is done. I promise you. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm 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 excited and I'm hopeful for the future. Um, Kingdom Hearts not so much, but Final Fantasy VII Remake is looking pretty crisp for the future. So Mm -hmm. I'm uh, we got a rhythm game though. There's a Kingdom Hearts rhythm. Oh yeah, the the the, the first Kingdom Hearts game on Switch. (laughs) So now everybody's like, oh, now that we have a Kingdom Hearts game coming out on Switch, put Sora in Smash. And I'm like, y'all are y'all complain about. Um, anime sword boys, sword boys in Smash, and you want another one, <laughs> and you want another one. I mean, I don't care. Like, I I like Fire Emblem, so it's fine with me. But mm-hmm. like all the other people that complain about anime sword boys, I'm like, y'all want Sora now too? But that's a conversation put, for another day. Put, 
But what about Goku though? Put Goku in. Smash. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> he's not a sword boy. He's not a sword boy. There you go. Yeah, he's not a sword boy. Everyone he's just wins. an anime boy. He's not a. He's an anime boy. Goku. The but worst Luffy, anime boy. Luffy would actually have a great kit. He would be dope. Lo- yeah, be yeah. Dope. Luffy would be would be fine. Though Minmin just ate his lunch, though. So let's be real that's about true. it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I still wish it were Twintel, but that's just me. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think everyone does. Yeah. Or at least, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there's some people online who don't wish that, yeah. but they can go off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Minmin's cool. Whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah, she's great. But uh, yeah, so I guess that kind of wraps it up um, for this little conversation about Final Fantasy VII. So um, if you're listening to the show and there's anything that we missed that you want us to talk about in the future, like definitely hit us up in the Discord server or email us at magicalboyspodcast at gmail.com. Do that. Yeah, fill up that mailbag. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, let's get a mailbag going where we people just ask yeah. shit. Um, we need to yes. definitely we have to answer do a little it. call to action for that, for sure. Um, and you guys get to discover how dumb I am, because I won't be able to answer <laughs> um, but, uh, Ruben this, and I'm like, I don't play video games. Like, what are, oh, video games, what's that? What are the... I just do improvs. What are video games? What's that? I've only played like Mario Kart like once. Yeah, I love Call of Duty and Madden. <laughs> oh God, could you imagine? Like when you were talking about Me? AAA, no. by the way, like having like an amazing game moment in AAA game. I was sitting here thinking about like, can you imagine if there was like a really overtly intensely gay moment in Madden or Call of Duty? <laughs> like that was just like so beautifully. In I mean, I th- just, I like, think I think about all the video games in the world, right? I think about like yes. all these like genre defining moments of games, and I think about all these things that are like you know pushing games to like it being an art form and doing different things. And of all of those things, your favorite fucking video game is Madden. 2K. I mean, it's a good game. It's a good 2K. game. 2K. Is it? Is it? It's, it's a good is game. It? That is a good game. It's the same damn game over and over again. People want to okay. talk about, oh, like, oh, like Smash Bros. is the same game over and over again. No, bitch. Madden is the same game every year, bitch. It's football. Okay, DJ, but let me let me let me just put this. Let me just put this in your brain, okay? So next E3. They're showing the next call. I swear to God. There's some there's some war happening in some country I hate where this. people don't look like us because that's how those games. I already work. hate it. <laughs> it's, it's always people that just look different than white people. I, that's how you know they're evil. That's how that works in Call of Duty. I want to die. And they like they're, it's these soldiers and they're they're gruff and they're they're uh, sweaty and they bust in this room and I think they're about to take down this terrorist guy, but he's not actually a terrorist. He was working for them the whole time. He was part of their cell, and then they kiss because they're also boyfriends. <laughs> Why not? Why the not? straights would be so mad. It's like, give how me, did you g- make madness me. SJW feminazi bullshit game? Can you oh can God. you imagine though? You have this amazing cinematic Call of Duty, and it's like all oh, these big gruff guys, and it's like oh, I haven't seen you in a long time, a special undercover agent uh, Stanley, and they just, and it's like Stanley. <laughs> Stanley's the best name you can come up. <laughs> His last name. I'm an enterprise, you guys. <laughs> Special, yeah, it's, I hate everything about that. <laughs> you know, he's the only the only gay undercover agent in all of Call of Duty. Yeah, oh, Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> you can't call him Stan. Full name, Stanley. No, Stanley. I can I can see the Kotaku articles now. Like, like uh, EA Games announces that Madden NFL 2022 is going to have LGBTQ representation. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just loses their fucking kill shit. Kill me. Oh, man. Kill me now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, 
Can you 50 cent blood on the sand? But now it's good. <laughs> um, if EA doesn't get behind another fucking Def Jam fight for New York game, I don't want anything else. I want a fighting game yeah. where I can be Cardi B. Also, Blood on the Sand was a good game. <laughs> it was. It was actually a good game. 50, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand was a good third person shooter. <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> I'm, I've never met listen, her. I didn't think so either. And then I played it and I was like, this is actually a good game. I've never met her. I don't know who she is. Or what she's about. Well, if you if you want to shoot people while listening to Magic Stick, it's the only way. Oh God! <laughs> wow, um, Nigel, my love, where can people Hello. find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Prince Zexu Z E X U, all one word. Um, I talk there about politics a lot right now because the world is very political. Mm-hmm. Um, I also talk about, about a lot about Overwatch and other video games that I'm playing. Um, so yeah. She do be talking about Overwatch. She real smart. Mm-hmm. And Ruben, where can they find you on the internet, boo? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Special Agent Stanley. <laughs> I'm going to throw myself into oncoming traffic. <laughs> in my bio, uh, US military is only gay undercover cop. Um, you can find me at Rubots, R-O-O-B-O-T-S. Um, on Twitter, uh, and just don't don't follow me anywhere else. That's already <laughs> follow me on Twitter's already about a season. Don't even bother anything else. Oh my god! I, I mean, don't use it, or it's just shit. Um, and as always, you can find me all over the internet at oh hey DJ. That's O H H E Y D J. Um, that's on Twitter. That's on Instagram, and that is on TikTok as well. Because I make dumb videos on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I have mm-hmm. 160,000 followers on TikTok, which is fucking... <laughs> the Chinese government knows everything about I, you. I mean, I don't have anything else to hide at this point, bitch. Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, my FBI agent is sick of me and my shit. They're probably like, mm-hmm. you're watching Sailor Moon transformation sequences again. <sighs> again. God. Again. Just like... How many God. times, girl? How many times are we going to do this? Until you can do it yourself in your room every time. Right. I mean, pretty pretty much. Um, But yeah, um, thank you all so much for sticking with us and joining us for another episode. Um, We have some ideas that we're cooking up for um, other things to do to also help us be more accountable. Um, So details to come on that. But uh, yeah, uh, we love you all very, very much. Thank you for sticking with us. And... um, it's ACAB all day and Black Lives Matter, and we will see y'all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.